Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Salutations and greetings to you and yours. Happy Wednesday to you. It's The Ride Home. Kath, good to see you as well. Thank you, John. You're uh, all adorned in white today. I decided to go, yeah, you know, and it was funny. Because today's the first day I had a little tiny inkling of fall. Oh, don't say it. Stop right there. It was small, Mm. and yet it was present. Have you noticed the brown leaves on your car? No. Oh, so I park under a tree. And so I see the, there's Mm. an an adornment of of leaves on my windshield when I come out in the morning. Mm. But it is coming. So what was the inkling? It is coming. So I was going to wear a fall color. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I thought to myself, Resist. well, let's not get carried away. Please don't. Let's not get carried Save away. Save the plaid yeah. for October. So that's, so that's when I decided to go with yes, white. Yes, yes. Well, uh, you're dressed in some way, uh, this is not to, as a spiritual being. <laughs> There's Kat. <laughs> what, I'm kind of like ethereal in my... Kind of, in a way. Oh, Lulu, Lulu. <laughs> I met a friend for coffee today. and uh, Oh, wait, I want to say hi to our friends in WAVA, W-A-V-A, in the Washington, D.C. Yeah, area. Thank you to all of you joining yeah. us. Met a friend for coffee today. And, you know, do you meet friends for coffee? Uh, not all that often. I don't drink coffee. That might be well, the first a beverage. reason why. You meet a friend for a beverage. Yeah, I don't just... usually meet a friend Is that a guy thing, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I do meet yeah, friends. Look, but Lexi's giving me a look like, that's not a guy thing. That's just the well, beverage you think, thing. You think it's bad that I'm not doing that? Like- no, no, that I'm saying it's a guy thing. Maybe I'm putting like a, a sexist overtone to coffee. I'll, oh, don't cancel well, me. Well, he's reinforcing the patriarchy. Exactly. In Bring it on. Men love coffee, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I do meet people. I just don't usually meet them for coffee. For coffee. What do you meet them for? A croissant. Well, I don't meet, I mean, if they they come to my house a lot or I oh, would they meet. Oh, Yeah, but I'm, I'm not, I don't meet for coffee. No, I meet for Lex, coffee. Lex, do you meet for coffee? I do meet for coffee. There you sure. go. So am I, I'm the odd man out here. I should be meeting people for coffee. Probably. No, no. It's, it's just like a very mutual exchange. You my know? buddies. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's get together. Like some someone you haven't seen in a while. I don't know. Because when it's like my really good friends, I go hang out with them. But if it's just someone I haven't seen in a while, I'll be like, let's go get coffee. Let's go get lunch. Very nice. Okay, uh-huh. lunch, yes. Coffee, no. But I, is, it's because I don't drink coffee. The coffee's just a short commitment. How about a lemonade? Okay. Let's go get ourselves a cranberry juice. Well, nobody says that. Right. So exactly. maybe that's why no one's asking maybe me. Or maybe they don't it. like me and don't want to sit right. and talk. Okay, let's get cranberry juice. Want to invite Kath? <laughs> nah, I don't <laughs> think so. Actually not. No, no. Okay, anyway, we're having coffee today. And, it, it, you know, I was just going to say, you know, when you do do this, but you don't do this, so you don't know. But we were just kind of like, you know, talking downstream. We are talking about the most significant spiritual experience of your life. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and we settled on this. That's not I mean, a casual coffee. It wasn't. Uh, we settled on this, which I think is sort of like overarching for most people who walk this earth. I would say the most spiritual experience of my life was either seeing your children born mm. or your parents pass. So true. <laughs> and it's a common shared experience. And yeah. if you can't see God in those moments, yeah. then what are you doing having coffee? Right. That's yeah, and yeah. so did you both agree on that? We did. Yeah. Did you? After a long discussion. Well, what about this and what about that? And then we're like, oh, of course. What about your babies were born? Right. Or your parents' bedside, and you go, I love you, and then there yeah. it goes. 
Yeah, the spiritual. So anyway, your dress, your your. I'm, I'm dressed your as an ethereal building. Yeah. Th- theory. I had to turn my necklace around backwards because it kept clanging on the top of the studio table. Very nice. It's a good audio catch. <laughs> is, it, is it a good look? Oh, beautiful. You kidding me? It just adds more to the, ex- Whatever. the experience. Come on. All right, uh, Newsday. Yeah, and it's not a pick me up top four. All right, that's all right. Well, let's just have some coffee. I mean, it's true, but it's not a pick-me-up. All right. Without further ado, then, let's delve into the dirt of the world. Here's our top four at four. It's Wednesday, August 30th, John. Mm -hmm. Fare you well. 2023. (laughs) Number one. A judge ruled today that 93-year-old Theodore McCarrick, the ex-Archbishop of Washington, D.C., who was defrocked by Pope Francis, is not competent to stand trial after both prosecutors and defense attorneys determined he suffers from dementia. The judge then dismissed the charges he sexually assaulted a teenage boy in Massachusetts decades ago. After an internal Vatican investigation determined that McCarrick sexually molested adults as well as kids, it was also released that the Vatican had reports from authoritative cardinals dating back to 1999 that McCarrick's behavior was problematic, yet he became an influential cardinal, kingmaker, and emissary. Mitchell Garabedian, who is a lawyer representing the man who accused McCarrick, said this today, John, and I thought that this was uh, thought-provoking. He said, quote, in spite of the criminal court's decision today, many clergy sexual abuse victims feel as though former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick is and will always be the permanent personification of evil within the Catholic Church. That's from CBS News. And number two, a nonprofit group has identified 115 more Indian boarding schools, offering new insight into the role of religious institutions in the long-standing federal policy to eradicate Native American culture through their kids. For more than a century, generations of American Indian, Alaska Native, and Native Hawaiian kids were forced or coerced from their homes, left their communities, and sent to live at schools where they were beaten, starved, and made to abandon their native languages and cultures. Some of these schools were run by the U.S. Interior Department. In fact, most were, but 115 were identified today, most of them run by religious groups and churches. Tens of thousands of American Indian kids attended these schools thousands are believed believed to have died and there are increasingly few native elders alive to give firsthand accounts of their time at the school. Uh, U.S. Interior Secretary Deb Howland is a member of the Pueblo Laguna tribe. Uh, her grandparents were stolen from their homes, and she said this, quote, federal Indian boarding school policies have impacted every single indigenous person I know. Some are survivors, some are descendants, but we all carry this painful legacy. Number three, Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia and his daughter, Heather Manchin Bresch, are pitching wealthy political donors on the possibility of launching a centrist political group designed to focus on a whole lot of things that would appeal to people from both parties. Uh, we're not sure whether that organization is supposed to like lift Joe Manchin to serve as like a presidential candidate or to merely support other moderate Democrats and Republicans. But it sounds like more information is soon to be released. Joe Manchin says for his part, he is thinking about leaving the Democratic Party and maybe going to the Independent Party. He is aligned with no labels, the bipartisan group working to get a potential third party candidate on the ballot. From CBS News and number four, I finally have something light. 
Are you happy to hear it? I need a Whew, nap after all that, off. believe me. Some 15,000 people, including many tourists, pasted each other with tomatoes oh. today as Spain's annual Tomatina street battle took place in the eastern town of Brunyal. And that's your top four at four. Very nice. 120 tons of overripe tomatoes. Participants threw at each other starting at noon. See, I like to see those images because they are glorious. And it's very entertaining. At the same time, I want those tomatoes. Yeah. Well, they're overripe, so they're mm-hmm. not going to be eaten anyway. Yeah. Well, they've been overripe probably in anticipation of this, right? Maybe. All they've right. been doing this since 1945. All right. Well, God bless them. And all tomatoes. Okay. All right. Uh, that's Well, that's not really a pick-me-up, Kath. Well, I thought the tomatoes were fun yeah, and silly. Okay, that didn't do anything to lift your spirits after all that. To, believe me, that took a hell of a lot to get through. Okay. All right. Anyway, we'll take a quick break. Hey, welcome to our friends from Weva. We're going to come up in uh, next, talk about the difference between elements and forms in worship. WORD. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Cram. Your body belongs to God because you have been purchased with a price, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and if for no other reason to honor God with your body. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Graham. PowerPoint, tonight at 9.30 on 101.5 WORD. Attention taxpayers, ready for some bad news? With $80 billion in new funding from Congress, the IRS has launched their most aggressive hiring campaign ever to ramp up enforcement. If you're ignoring your taxes, don't delay another minute because your paycheck, your bank account, even your home or business could already be at risk. Now, here's the good news. Optima Tax Relief, America's number one tax relief firm, can get to work immediately, helping to protect you from the IRS. A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, their tax attorneys and licensed professionals are experts at resolving tax problems. Let them help determine if you qualify for the Fresh Start Initiative or other powerful IRS tax assistance programs. Take control. Call Optima Tax Relief now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Reports of new state requirements for PA public school teachers have many parents concerned about racial equity learning resources in the classroom to gender and identity politics. Now may be a great time to try Christian education, a faith-focused education that believes in transparency, parents, and that values every student. Get half off a year's tuition beginning this fall at a participating school near you, like Champion Christian School in Champion, PA. Learn more at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Pittsburgh Christian Schools, education that believes in you. Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 as a local business owner you get called every week by marketing companies we get it we have hundreds of satisfied customers here's what a satisfied client recently said open enrollment is going great we're hitting record numbers thank you so much for this report it really is amazing to see how the marketing is really shaping our enrollment around the city learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com surroundpittsburgh.com 
connecting you with new customers. SurroundPittsburgh.com. When I was growing up, I had friends uh, in the Pittsburgh area here uh, who I was tight with from sixth grade on. Yeah. And um, all of us were from different church traditions. So uh, between us, we uh, were Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran, and Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I spent time in everybody's church. Um, and everybody spent time in my church. But one of the things that I noticed, um, and there were many things that were different between those church traditions, but one of them were uh, the use of uh, vestments. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Either that the pastor or priest was wearing or that were hanging in the church. Okay. Right. So there were different colors of things and whatever. And um, the colors were present in my church, but uh, I never knew what they stood for. Like nobody ever talked about why things were purple at one time or white at another time. It was just never, ever discussed. Um, In my Lutheran friends church, there were – Lots of colors. And then you add to that, there were smells, right? Smells and bells. Right. And then you went to my friend, the Roman Catholic Church. And then it was like, I felt like, you know, it was a whole different thing. And I did not navigate that as a kid. Um, How, like, what things are essential? What things are just a matter of preference or a matter of tradition? Um, And I think, fast forward to now, I think there are a lot of adults that don't know that either. So is it the same Jesus, yeah. but a different frame around it? We've invited the Reverend Josh Brown back on the program. He's from Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland neighborhood of Pittsburgh. Josh, welcome back. Kathy and John, thanks for having me once again. Always good to be with you. Thank you, Josh. Okay, so that's an interesting story that Kath just told, and I think it's probably still true today, isn't it, Josh? It's very true today, and it's, I, I think, even more true for people who are maybe hearing some of the things Kathy was talking about and thinking, well, I've never seen any of that stuff in my church. We meet in a gymnasium, and I didn't even, I don't know what investments even are. So there's a, there's a whole kind of other layer to that. But there are reasons why churches have some of the traditions that they do. One of the challenging things is that uh, people just aren't even aware of what those traditions are or why they're there or how significant they are, like Kathy talked about. Uh, and then if you do know them, it's then it can be sometimes challenging to figure out, well, how, how significant is this, or how much is this a kind of a secondary matter that I can just have a preference on, but it doesn't really change things all that much. Right. Okay, so biblically, no hard and fast rules about the style, maybe about the content. Like you said, I think earlier, Josh, we were talking, uh, it, we should sing, but not specifically what and or how. Yeah, that's the approach that, I, I mean, the, the tradition that I'm a part of would, would take an approach like that. Sometimes uh, people in, in the Reformed tradition will refer to something that they call the regulative principle for worship, and, and the, the simple idea behind that is that if the Bible tells us something that is a part of worship, then we should do that thing. Or if it says this should be included in your times of worship, then we should do that if if there's something in Scripture. So to that particular example you gave, John, um, uh, the book of Psalms, by and large, is uh, those are songs, right? Uh, and yet you notice that there aren't any melodies that are included with them when they gave them to us. So you start to get a sense of, well, maybe there are particular things that we should be saying about God, and yet maybe there are some different styles that you can use for that. In both Ephesians and Colossians, Paul talks about singing 
in the times that we are together. And, and I know there's some debate about if he's saying you should only sing the Psalms. I recognize some people debate that, but he says there should be singing. But again, he doesn't provide uh, like a like a um, news sheet for everybody to say. And here's the music that goes along with it. Um, you see other places where there's clear indications that when you gather together, you should pray together. But okay, how, how, is that just one person praying? Do multiple people pray? Is it everybody prays silently in their hearts? Paul says that uh, the letters that he sends around, he said these should be read in the various churches, and we see a lot of times where God's Word should be read to the people, so that that should be a part of it. And yet you can ask, well, in, in kind of what capacity, how big a chunks of Scripture do we need to use? So you start to see that there are things that the Bible consistently presents as aspects that we should include in our worship, and yet it doesn't give us exactly how those things should look in a particular context always. So that puts the responsibility on us then? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, to a certain, yeah, maybe to a certain degree, but uh, also, you know, the, there are reasons, again, why the churches do some of the things that they're doing. So so the colors that you were mentioning, Kathy, like mm-hmm. the, the white, yeah. the purple, the stuff in the sanctuary, um, some of your listeners may not have any idea what you're referring to there. There are a number of uh, traditions that will use different colors to symbolize different times in the liturgical year. Um, I know we've talked about this on the show before, but for people who don't know what the, the liturgical year is, a lot of churches will map out over the course of a calendar year kind of the great themes of Scripture, particularly in Jesus' life and ministry. So you have Advent as a season where we're celebrating His birth. You have uh, Easter and the time afterwards where we're celebrating His resurrection, and there will be certain colors that would be used to associate and, and symbolize some of those things. So churches develop those traditions over time. Um, is it helpful to uh, help people understand what the Bible is teaching? Yes, as long as you take the time to let them know what you're trying to symbolize. Mm-hmm. Right. So there has to be some explanation that goes with it, or it probably is only meaningful to a couple select people who get it. I think so. And and not to just keep coming back to the one example you brought up, but, but for example, the reason that there is purple that is used so many times during the Advent season is that purple is, is usually a color associated with a couple different ideas that may actually seem um, oxymoronic in a way. I mean, one, one is the idea of purple is meant to symbolize repentance, and Advent is, is meant to be partly a time where we say, wow, we, we are in need of God to send a Savior to mm-hmm. us. But purple is also a sign of royalty. And we say, well, there is the king who has arrived. So it's a simple thing, but, you know, you may have people walk in the church and say, well, I see some purple candles up front, but I don't, what's that all about? Um, so part of it is making sure that people can see, well, there's a reason we do some of these things. And if there is no reason why you do it, <laughs> or you don't even know what the reason is. <laughs> then why are you doing it? <laughs> and right, right. Yeah, then, then probably an appropriate question is, why are we doing this? Right. Okay, so, but there is a difference then, Josh, between vestments and color and uh, songs as opposed to larger issues like communion and maybe even further women in the pulpit. So I would say so, yes. And again, I recognize I'm I'm kind of speaking out of my own tradition there where we would allow um, some freedom on how, like kind of the style of music that you do, even the style of songs that you do, even, even the structure of the service to a certain degree. You know, it doesn't have to be, we don't have a particularly like, strict liturgy every week like some traditions do, and I I respect and understand the reason for that. Um, But we do include certain elements all the time. And you mentioned communion. Um, We'll be celebrating that this coming Sunday at Belfield. 
And that is one of the things that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So there's, a, there's an instruction in Scripture that you should include that in the times that you are together. So we, we try to do that. Um, but yeah, then you get into some other questions that are, you know, there's maybe just greater range of perspectives on some of those things. Like you mentioned, John, like who, who should be the one doing some of the leading and teaching and preaching? And it's good to wrestle with what Scripture has to say about those things um, and try to be as faithful as we can to it. Mm-hmm. There are many people, Josh, even in this day and age, who are interested in church history. And so those clues, whether it is liturgy mm-hmm. or vestments or colors or communion or women in the pulpit, I mean, we don't generally, I mean, as a congregation, delve into church history, but there's always those wonky people in the congregation who love that kind of stuff. Yeah, we, uh, most of us end up with a pretty myopic view of things. We think that we are, we are the first generation to experience or ask any of these questions, and we don't realize all that's come before us. And and people find some of that stuff very interesting. And, and you may be surprised to find that uh, some of the things, some of the reasons that certain churches do things are, are maybe even the opposite of what you might expect. Here's, here's one example. Um, in many of the traditions coming out of the time of the Reformation, you had uh, pastors and preachers and ministers who began wearing just black robes. Sometimes it was called the Genevan robe. Mm-hmm. So it's just a black robe, uh, very unadorned, no real decoration, a, l- a little kind of billowy, if you will. It mm-hmm. doesn't really have much of a shape to it. And if you were, wa- for many people, I would say, not all, but for many people, if you were to walk into a church and saw the preacher or the pastor get up and they're wearing a robe like that, some people might think, oh, that's, that's a way to kind of show how significant they are. You know, this person has a place of significance and, and a kind of a special status within the church. Uh, when the original reason behind doing that one was to the idea of why it was black, why it had no other decoration on it, why it was sort of shapeless, was the idea is you're trying to hide the person because it's not about them at all. Uh, you're not supposed to see this individual. You're supposed to hear the Word of God. And so in a way, we're going to um, kind of almost cover them up if, in a way if you can. So that, there's an example of I most people might assume almost the opposite nowadays mm-hmm. of wow, you're, you're trying to show that this is a, a position of real significance when some of the original intent was to say it is a position of significance, but not at all because of the person. It's because this is something that is an opportunity for us to hear what God has relayed to us. Yes. So all these things, not insignificant, but not necessarily going to crush our relationship with Jesus. Um, I... I Yes, I think, although, you know, certainly there are some traditions that a church can get so uh, attached to that they do lose sight of why they're doing it. And, they, and they, it's, it's, it can be easy to um, make some idols out of some of our yes. traditions and things. So you, you can lose sight. of It is possible to lose sight of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, but that ought not to be the case. There, there can be ways that we can have some differences in style, I would say, while keeping the substance consistent. Very good. Josh Brown is with us, Belfield Presbyterian Church. It's in the Oakland neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. And of course, uh, Oakland, it is a hotbed of uh, higher education. The major universities, Carnegie Mellon, University of Pittsburgh, Carla University. Josh, uh, as you are in the middle of it all, uh, the students are back in session, aren't they? They are. This is a really vibrant time of life in the community. Within the last week or two, uh, all those schools, plus Chatham and Duquesne and Point Park, they've all 
resumed and people are moving back into the area. So it's always an exciting time to get to, to meet a lot of new people, help to just welcome them into the city, uh, provide a place where they can just come and, and have some Christian community and get to hear the good news of what Jesus has done. Wow, that's great news. Josh, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. I hope you guys have a good day. I'll talk to you again soon. You well. That's Josh Brown from Belfield Presbyterian Church in Oakland. Always happy to have Josh with us. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, female surgeons get better results than their male counterparts. New study released in the Wall Street Journal. How about that? We'll that talk next. about it next. Doing it right. Roofing, siding, remodeling. Now offering their end of summer special of $1,500 off any roof or siding replacement job signed in the month of August. Restrictions apply. See website or call 724-NEW-ROOF for details. We all long to be in God's presence and to live victoriously through both prayer and action. But sometimes we get off track and our times with God become less and less frequent. Or perhaps you've been faithful in prayer but still suffer from anxiety or fear. Let's refocus on the things of God through Cornerstone's 21-day prayer journey to unleash God's power, presence, and purpose in your life. Starting August 29th, we're walking through prayers for you, your family, your community, and for accelerated progress in ministry. Ready to get involved? Visit ctvn.org backslash journey and receive your free 21-day download complete with daily prayer prompts and ideas on how to personalize your experience. Save the date for the 21 days of prayer starting August 29th and ending with a live Hope Today program September 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Visit ctvn.org backslash journey to get your free download and details today. Current events are unfolding like it's right out of the book of Revelations. From the threat of AI to genocide, wars, man-made bioplagues, everything prophesied in the Bible looks like it's happening now. After speaking to Christian leaders from all over the world, I believe the next step is a man-made crisis completely designed to take over our economic freedom. Hi, I'm Lance Wall now, a Christian author and media analyst who breaks down current events to people just like you who are concerned about their future and the future of their families. I always tell my listeners that my people perish for lack of knowledge is what the Bible says. You need knowledge about gold IRAs from Birch Gold Group. That's the best best option. To see why, text the word FAITH to 989898 to get a free info kit on gold IRAs. Birch Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. I recommend you get their info kit. That's FAITH to 989898. And then you'll be armed with the information you need in order to have peace of mind and guide your affairs with great wisdom. God bless you. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Right, like- 724-NEW-ROOF. 101.5 Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Your local volunteer fire department routinely answers the call, whether it be a fire, traffic accident, or a cat stuck in a tree. But because of declines in memberships, departments have become understaffed. Your local volunteer fire department desperately needs you. Can you direct traffic, install a smoke alarm, help at a fundraiser? No matter what skills you have, you can make a difference. You don't have to fight fire to be a volunteer. Will you answer the call? For more information on how you can help, visit the Volunteer Firefighter Alliance at supportvfa.org.
Breezy this evening, otherwise mainly clear tonight. Good weather for sleeping, the low 54. Sunny and pleasant tomorrow, a nice end of the month of August. We'll reach a high of 75. Clear skies tomorrow night, a jacket may come in handy. We'll reach a low of 52. Plenty of sunshine Friday with a high of 80. Dry and warm weather is expected over the Labor Day holiday weekend. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The world of medicine is something that is uh, notoriously unfriendly to outsiders. How so? What do you mean? Well, uh, if you spend any time in a medical uh, facility or profession, you find out really quickly that they speak a different language than you. Sure. And so whether you're the patient or you're someone who's you know, working in administration or finance or whatever the field is, uh, the clinicians are in a class of their own and you're different. Um, and so it, it's hard to understand right. what's going on. So there's front line and then everybody else. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't worked in that field in a long time. But uh, after I graduated from college, that's the field I was in. So I worked in the School of Medicine here in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh uh, at the university and really had a great uh, decade of my life there and met a lot of really amazing people. Um, but uh, one of the things that I think the average person doesn't realize, especially in the age of what I call Facebook medicine, which is that you have an ailment and someone comes out and says, well, did you try peach extract? Oh, I can't believe you didn't try peach extract. Let me look that up on WebMD. Exactly. But there's nothing about peach extract. You have to go to some obscure website and then find out that, you know, 100,000 people love peach extract. And then, you know, you think that you're smarter than a doctor. Um, it turns out that medical school is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, and it takes a lot of effort, a lot of brain power, and a lot of dedication to get through it. Um, and then after you're done with med school, it's not like you're done because then you have to go into a residency, and then you have for your specific sub, you know, specialty that you're training in, and then you have to go into a fellowship to even get better at that. That's before you can ever become the physician that you want to be. Mm. So I say all that um, uh, as kind of a prelude to an article I read in today's Wall Street Journal about surgery. Um, surgery is a notoriously difficult uh, training program to go through. It's it's rigorous. It can often be demeaning. Uh, there's a lot of uh, like hazing type rituals. I'm not saying that there has to be a federal investigation into it. I'm just saying that for people who've gone through a surgical residency program, for people that are starting out, they're the grunts. And you have to good. earn it. You have to earn it. Uh, it's also dominated by men. Uh, there are very few female surgeons, uh, in compar- comparatively speaking. But today's Wall Street Journal article said that in this industry of surgery, it looks like female surgeons spend more time in the OR and their patients endure fewer post-op complications. What? Two research studies were published today in the Journal of the American Medical Association Surgery, and researchers found better outcomes for patients treated by female surgeons in a sweeping review of millions of, this is not like a couple hundred procedures, millions of procedures in Canada and Sweden. Really? Wait, this is shocking. Interesting. Um, at, At both 90 days and one year following surgery, Patients treated by female surgeons were less likely to experience adverse post-op issues, including death. The outcome differences were moderate, but they were consistent. Uh, The findings reveal, and I'm reading here from today's Wall Street Journal, that uh, patient outcomes aren't just about what happens in the OR, but picking up problems early is where you start to save patients. And that's not about technical skill, but it's about listening to patients 
and choosing appropriate care. Interesting. Previous studies have shown that female physicians tend to communicate and engage more with their patients than their male counterparts. No, I found that in my own GP. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. I now had this a GP. wasn't this wasn't a surgery situation. No, but I, you know, I'm suffering through this malady these you know the last several months. I had a GP who was kind of like meh, no communication. Um, I switched GPs. She knocked it out of the park. I mean, she is on the communication bandwagon, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, at all hours of the day and night with me. I don't, you know, I just love her. I don't know what the story is about her, but man, just excellent communication skill. It gave me confidence to know that someone was in my corner. Right. I love her. So let me just say again that the Wall Street Journal is not saying that women are better at surgery. They're saying that uh, women tend to listen better to patients. And so, therefore, the outcome of their surgical patients Hmm. is better than their male counterparts. Um, Women, 22.6% of general surgeons. That's yeah. really and if you're looking at orthopedic surgery, it's only 5.9%. All right. So if you've got a surgeon and it's a woman, then you should be Sounds glad. your lucky stars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll take a quick break. We do come back. This is Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. Hello to our friends at WAVA in Washington, D.C. There is no such thing as a Christian by deliberate choice without a church. That's next. WORD. Your station for Unlimited Grace with Brian Chappell. Ministry is happening as every single one of us in in our homes, in our businesses, in our workplace, in our education backgrounds, as all of us are doing what God calls us to do wherever we are called. If that's ministry, do you know what it means? There are no secondary callings. Unlimited Grace with Brian Chappell, tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. So this is a radio ad, and I wanted to tell a story that proves that sometimes bad moments can often lead to good moments or opportunities. But my story was about 30 minutes, so instead, here's the headline. Loving family's beach vacation is ruined by a flaming lasagna and nephew vomiting on gate agent, only to be saved by the most meaningful staycation ever. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and bad creating some good is exactly what we're seeing right now. Interest rates are not great, but they have finally brought home prices down, at least for a bit, creating an opportunity, which is why we're seeing thousands of listeners across the country looking to buy the new home now because the price is forever with the plan to refinance the rate tomorrow when rates settle. If that's you, please know that we have a direct lender advantage that can often save you lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Corp. Melbourne, New York. And number 1330. Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. Hi, I'm Olivia, and I'm 11. Some people my age might think water in a basement's pretty cool. Who wouldn't want an indoor swimming pool? But my dad taught me a thing or two about homes. You mean all those times I talked about waterproofing. You were actually listening? Absolutely. I'm like Alexa. Okay, so how does JD Waterproofing protect your home? By keeping water out of the basement so it doesn't compromise the structure of your home. And? By not giving yucky mold and mildew a place to grow. Pretty good. Dad, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. And JD Waterproofing can save you money. Do tell. By saving you from having to replace your basement appliances from water damage. I couldn't have said it better myself. 
Got water problems? Don't cry. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY. J&D Waterproofing. 1-800-VERY-DRY. Hope happens here. With the very best in inspirational programming, start your new season with Cornerstone Television Network. Hope Today, Origins, Sister to Sister, Hard Questions, Move Your Mountain, Today's Nashville, Dashing Dish, Signs of the Times, and Cornerstone Connect. Find hope for a better day and sample the best of local Christian TV on Cornerstone Television Network. You are interested in faith. Someone says, come to my church. And you go, well, this is strange. I've never experienced this before. Or I've fallen away and now I'm back. And in a lot of instances, you pick up the faith thread. You become a believer interactively with the Lord and Savior, our Jesus Christ. And then you continue on in that relationship with other believers in that said church, right? I mean, that's how it works for millions and millions of people around the world. Ann Kennedy's with us. She's been a regular guest of ours over the many years. She is an author of a book we love called Nailed It, 365 Sarcastic Devotionals for Angry and Worn Out People. She's also a substacker. We'll talk about that as well. But Ann, the idea of people becoming believers and going to church, uh, kind of a, a weird space now. People don't believe that. It is a, a new thought that's entering into many people's imaginations, uh, mainly because a really interesting book has come out called The Great Dechurching, which I just read over the last three days. And I discovered... Who's the author in? They'll be with us in a week. Uh, oh, wonderful. Yeah. I, no, I can't remember. There's three authors, and their names totally escape me. Ryan Burge is one um, of them. Yeah, Ryan Burge. And they talk about the large number of, quote, Orthodox Christians who no longer attend church and don't really have plans to go back. Uh, and that that idea just sort of really surprised me. So um, what part surprised you? The fact that there was a book written about it, the fact that there are Orthodox believers who aren't going back to church, or why they're not going? I guess it was the word Orthodox Christian uh, along with the line uh, de-churched. Um, I get, in my mind, going to church and having correct Orthodox beliefs were, were kind of very tightly wound together. And I, I guess I, I'm not good with numbers at all, but the number that stuck in my head is 40 million Americans have walked away from church over the last 25 years, wow. something like that. I have the numbers wrong, I'm sure, but it's a huge number of people have walked away. Uh, and And some of those people say they're not Christian anymore, but some of them, many of them, would still self um, would call themselves Christians, um, and yet they don't have plans to go back. Um, and so that's a really new idea in the history of Christianity, and it's a kind of an astonishing one. I mean, I guess it's been in the back of my mind. Of course, I know many people who claim to be Christian don't go to church, but just the sheer number really, really surprised me. So if you're a Christian and you don't go to church— how do you grow, and who holds you accountable to that growth, or not? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't have an answer to that. Yeah. And 
the yeah. authors strongly suggest that everyone go back to church for just that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a wonderful meme I've come across. It's like somebody, uh, like a peasant running away from a wolf, and the the caption is like a, a Christian trying to be a Christian without the church. It's like, <laughs> why would you do that? Um, I, it's, not a, it's not really a thing. It's not a good idea to be a Christian with no other Christians and no church. Right. That's, that's, that should feel like an oxymoron or something, but it, it doesn't feel like it for many, many people. I think that uh, we can't have the conversation without talking about technology because I know that that's a big driver. Um, but Zoom I al- church. Yeah, of course. But I know that that's not the cause of it. I think that that's just a vehicle um, and it makes it easier. Um, but cause can be complicated. I mean, I know that the um, especially with parents of young kids uh, who are 18 and under the unbelievable change in how youth sports are done is really has made a big difference in how people look at church. You mean sports on Sunday morning? Yes. Yes. Um, and I'm not saying that, that it that's the way it ought to be. I'm just saying I think that's one of the things that we need to take into account. I think another thing that I would uh, take into account is the amount of – is because of the Internet, um, people who have had negative experiences in the church are able to find each other and are able to talk about their experiences more. And so church hurt is something that all of us uh, know something about now. So how, how do you respond to that? Anne? what does that make you think? I, that, that was, they address a lot of those factors and the, they did a short section on technology, which again was really eye opening. that the technology is, is on the one hand really helpful because it does, connect us to each other and it does feed people even during the week like you can consume really good christian content from your own church during the week and that's like there's no reason to be sad about that but um they said that it and i think this is true i've experienced this in my own church context church being more and more online has given people who already didn't want to go an excuse not to go Mm, yeah it was like the vehicle that they they suddenly were give they don't necessarily even have to watch but the fact that it's there means they can refer to it and say oh well i could watch if i wanted to yeah. and maybe i'll do that sometime whereas people who really want to be in church like the live stream is of no use to them they hate it <laughs> like they they don't want to watch it i don't want to watch it but i don't want to watch it um it's a but it it it, it did sort of show it was the illumination of something that was already there culturally. People didn't want to go. Some people didn't want to go. And then the technology enabled them to not go and to have a good excuse, a good reason not to. And um, I think that was really helpful. The other thing that really, really shocked me was when they added up the numbers of how people spend their time online, they might consume church related content for two hours a week, but they're going to consume every other kind of content Mm -hmm. for like 15 to 20 hours a week. And of course the church can't compete with that. So, um, nor should it try. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really a complex, interesting phenomenon. I mean, terrible and tragic, but if you can sort of deescalate your emotions, um, and look at the data, it's really helpful. 
So church is relational, right? I mean, and with the relations, it's also awkward. It's a little weird, but it can also be so beautifully holy and and so lifted. And and provide such a foundation for every, you know, everything you go through in life. And like, you know, like Cal says, everybody's got weird stories or some people have horror stories about what's happened in church. So what? So we should just go online to avoid that. Yeah, but not every church is not... If you're if you're out there in our listening audience and you're thinking, yeah, you don't know what I've been through at church. I, I don't know what you've been through at church, so I I don't know that. But I, I, all I can tell you is that not every church is like that. Right. Okay. So if people aren't going to church and they're not going to show up at church, then you, I mean you see this already. Of course, there are thousands of churches closing all over the country here. Uh, it, it doesn't bode well, but it doesn't mean that Christianity is going to disappear. There will still be those believers who gather, regardless if there's a building or not. I mean, it's a necessary thing to be there. And I, I'm just kind of curious. And you know, you said earlier that we, we talked about there's pushback about that. That oh, it's not that big of a deal, but it is a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a huge deal because a lot of other institutions sort of grow up and actually find their energy source in within Christian communities. So that's already dissipated a lot. But that the fewer churches there are around, the fewer other kinds of community gatherings are going to also take place uh, because the church is different than every other institution. It's not really purely organized by human people. So um, it's a, it's that, and that's one thing I think that we haven't really as American Christians accounted for that the church is uh, not ours um, Mm. to shape and mold. It's actually a spiritual entity with power beyond us. And we take it lightly at our peril which we're discovering right now. And I think the only way that people are going to discover that church is important is if they admit that there are spiritual forces beyond them that they can't control and that they need shelter mm-hmm. and they need other people um, or they or they will not be okay, not just their mental health, but actually other kinds of spiritual <laughs> Um, beings will come into view who are more scary than just their own depression. Um, the, the authors didn't really get into that, but I just I I watched a growing spiritual world come in as the church has receded, mm-hmm. and that world is scary and dark. And um, I think that they point out the many ways that Christians have an op- are going to have wonderful opportunities coming up. That's one place where the opportunity is always already there, and Christians point. should keep their eyes open for it. Yeah, that's a good point. We're talking to Ann Kennedy, and we only we have less than a minute, and it might be not fair for me to ask you this question, but um, John and I were just talking before the show about uh, 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 a friend's church who's in another state, which is just the church is falling apart, and I don't mean the building. Um, and so it's just, it's a, it's a terrible environment. Everything about it's terrible. A well-known story. A well-known story. Right. People all over know this leaving. story. I'm yeah, yeah, I'm out. Whatever it is. And the church is falling apart and the pastors, it's just, there are a lot of bad churches. And so my question is, if people are listening and they're like, I'm in a bad church, what would you tell them to do? I would say, you know, take a breath. If you can't go to church for a little bit, that's okay, but it can't be for very long. And the authors point this out. You don't have to go back to that church. You don't mm. have to go back to a church like that. Yeah. There are other kinds of churches. There are other flavors. There are other um, theological worldviews. 
uh, but you should go to church. You just should keep trying and keep trying because Jesus marries himself to the church so closely that if you don't go to church, in some sense, you're really practically uh, saying, I don't really want to be with you, Jesus. And you don't want to say that to your Lord and Savior. He loves you so much. Go to church. Yeah. Amen. You'll be blessed by amen it. I really, I really believe that. And take 10 seconds. Tell us about your Substack, Demotivation. Well, yes, my Substack is called Demotivations with Anne. And what I do is I demotivate you from not going to church. <laughs> and so um, 100% of the time you can come to me and I will just keep enumerating the reasons why you should go to church all the time until you finally give up and go. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. Always a pleasure, Anne. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Ann Kennedy, Demotivation with Ann. And of course, nailed it, 365 sarcastic devotionals for angry and worn out people. Doing it right, roofing, siding, remodeling. The first Owens Corning MVP in Pittsburgh and one of the longest tenured platinum contractors in the Pittsburgh region. Call 724-NEW-ROOF. Turn your home into restricted airspace. Tell incoming flights you want them diverted. The new Raid Essentials Light Trap plugs into the wall and uses light to attract, then trap flying insects like fruit flies and mosquitoes. Its 24-7 continuous attraction provides insecticide-free protection that's people and pet friendly. Consider air service interrupted. New Raid Essentials Light Trap. Insecticide-free protection. My ride smells just right, just right. Just right, This is an urgent announcement for anyone that's $10,000 or more in debt. Before you make another minimum payment, you need to know there are special programs that can completely free you of your debt. Total Financial Freedom can help you become debt-free in months instead of years. Resolve your credit card debt, signature loans, department store cards, internet loans, and timeshares. Call now at 800-533-6605 for a free consultation. For 16 years, Total Financial Freedom has helped thousands get out of debt. You can feel confident when calling because Total Financial Freedom is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and a Christian-owned company. Don't get stuck in the endless cycle of payments. You have the right to get your debt resolved and substantially reduce your monthly payments. Call Christian-owned Total Financial Freedom now at 800-533-6605. That's 800-533-6605. 800-533-6605. Reports of new state requirements for PA public school teachers have many parents concerned about racial equity learning resources in the classroom to gender and identity politics. Now may be a great time to try Christian education, a faith-focused education that believes in transparency, parents, 
and that values every student. Get half off a year's tuition beginning this fall at a participating school near you, like Pittsburgh Christian Academy in West Mifflin. Learn more at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Pittsburgh Christian Schools, education that believes in you. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Want it done right, call doing it right. 724 New Roof. Even though it feels as though summer's winding down, there's still plenty of time for summer. And uh, I wonder about favorite places. I'm a little covetous of this. Like, my favorite beaches, mm-hmm. favorite places, I kind of don't want to talk about them too much. Because you know don't, it's a weird right, thing. Because you don't want people to find out and go there and... Ruin it. Ruin, <laughs> ruin it for everybody else. Right. Now, of course, I've talked about my favorite place, mm-hmm. which, of course, is not a secret. I just, I love to go to Ocracoke. Right, which is in... It's in North Carolina. It's on 12 South. Mm-hmm. You go to the Outer Banks and you get on 12 South until it stops and then you get on the ferry and take a 45-minute ferry ride, and then you get off and drive on this two-lane. There's dunes on either side of the roadway, and you go into this little town. You book a room, and then the rest of the time you're there, I go to the beach. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Now, I saw a piece today about head to Alabama for your next beach vacation. Mm-hmm. I've never been to Alabama. Where did you see this article? It's uh, in today's Wall Street Journal. Uh, Caleb Johnson, who apparently has taken many family vacations in the town of Gulf Shores and Orange Beach on Alabama's Gulf Coast. Okay. Which sounds lovely. What does he say about that? Well, he said um, for years, these little towns dotted the Gulf Coast. And And they're little tiny towns, kind of like the New Jersey beach towns. Right. Just little tiny one after another. Tiny towns. North to south. But he said in the 1970s... um, Hurricanes came in. Oh. Uh, Hurricane Frederick in 1979. And so when those came in, people's houses were ruined, and then developers came in and bought up those houses, mm-hmm. those tracts of houses, and they built hotels. Right. Which are now the, the bones of Gulf Shores and Orange Beach. But he, he paints a very nice picture that there's a Gulf State Park, which is where he goes, next to a Hilton Hotel. There's uh, 32 miles of beaches that you can ride your bike on and just hang out. He said it's really, uh, the hotel blends into natural selections. The settings are gorgeous. There's photographs along with this. It looks very nice and fairly inexpensive. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. And now to Hilton. I wonder how far, how long would it take you to drive to Alabama? Oh. What do you think? Very, very long. 22 hours. I would do it in a heartbeat. Because when you drive, at least when you drive to the ocean, every mile is just a little yeah, tiny. I it's agree. like a siren song. I agree. Come on, yep. come on. Soon you'll be here. It's part of the experience for me. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go to a beach that's unfettered. I want to go to a beach that's uncrowded. I don't yeah. like the idea of going shoulder to shoulder. I right. don't want to. I don't necessarily want to see people. Yeah, so you're not going to like a New Jersey beach, no, I'll tell you I've that been right there. now. I've, we used to go to Wildwood when we were kids, mm-hmm. which I loved. Sure. You know, the honky-tonk, the boardwalk. Sure, yep. It's a lot of fun, right? especially for if you got kids. Right. I love, I mean, I I love Ocean Grove, New Jersey. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. To be honest with you, you know I'd rather be on the Pacific Ocean. Of course. I really, really, really love the Pacific super Ocean. Super crowded. Uh, not where I go. It's really? not super crowded. No. What about like uh, Oregon? 
Oh, well, that's... Craggy, rocky. There's no, you know, there's no private property on the coast of right. Oregon, so it's all... What would that be like? ...state land. It's very... First of all, it's very cold. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very beautiful, but it's not... I want a Pacific, I want a warm beach. It's not a warm beach. Yeah, There's you, nothing about it that's a warm beach. I don't want to go unless it's warm. Nope. You get in the water. Nope. You're well. You can get in the water, but you'll yeah. freeze. Anyway, so that might not be what you're looking for. Let's still go. Time. Let's go to Alabama. Fine. Get in the car and drive. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, tune in, and on Odyssey, in your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Hurricane Idalia continues to move inland in an easterly direction. In an AP interview, Cedar Key, Florida resident R.J. Wright says the storm surge there was incredible. Dock Street is underwater. We literally, I literally watched a Cadillac float down Dock Street and it stopped at the bathhouses or the bathrooms at the boat ramp. Like it literally was picked up and we watched it float like 60 feet. Some counties have implemented curfews to keep residents off roads. Tens of thousands are without power. Italian now headed towards South Carolina. Russian officials say Ukraine sent waves of drones deep into western Russia in nighttime attacks that struck military assets. It appeared to be the biggest Ukrainian drone attack on Russian soil. This is SRN News. We all hear the radio ads about the IRS. They tell you to be afraid, to be scared, and they try to frighten you into calling. I'm not here to do that. Tax Relief Advocates is different. TRA is here to tell you that if you owe money to the IRS, whether it's 5000 50000 or 500000 we have a solution. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in your car, at work, or with your kids. No matter where you are, call now. 800-575-6745. Don't lose hope. TRA can eliminate or reduce what you owe to the IRS. There is zero risk to you. If we can't reduce your tax debt, then you pay nothing. Our passion is taxes and helping individuals fix their IRS problems. We have a five-star rating on Google and Yelp and an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. You don't need to be afraid of the IRS any longer. End your tax nightmare today by visiting us online at TRA.com or call 800-575-6745. That's 800-575-6745. Tax Relief Advocates. Real solutions for real people. Attention. Your money is now controlled by the U.S. government. Picture a world where your every purchase is monitored, tracked, and controlled by those in power to suppress the freedoms of those they see fit. Hi, my name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. And right now, I've become very focused on the impending rollout of the central bank digital currency. This is not a work of fiction. It's a terrifying reality looming on the horizon. But there is a bit of good news. I've partnered with Advantage Gold to offer you a solution. They are specialists in converting your traditional assets, like those inside an IRA or 401k, into tangible assets such as physical gold and silver. Don't allow your money to be controlled. 
Claim your free gold protection kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Call 800-900-8000. Summer is almost over, and so are the savings at Bachman's Roofing. Take advantage of the summer savings bonanza with no interest and no payments until 2025. Now is the perfect time to check off those home improvement projects. Cracked or missing roof shingles? Bachman's has got you covered. Looking to add solar? Bachman's has you covered. Time to upgrade that cracked siding? Bachman's has got your back. Call Bachman's today to schedule your free estimate at 412-472-7103 or visit GoBachmans.com. This is Tim Seckler inviting you to tune in each and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm. Each week, we'll talk about your family's well-being as it relates to elder law, nursing home stays, estate planning, and keeping your hard-earned savings. And if you missed the Life and Legacy show, you will find it archived at secularlawfirm.com. See you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy show. Breezy this evening, otherwise mainly clear tonight. Good weather for sleeping, below 54. Sunny and pleasant tomorrow, a nice end of the month of August. We'll reach a high of 75. Clear skies tomorrow night, a jacket may come in handy. We'll reach a low of 52. Plenty of sunshine Friday with a high of 80. Dry and warm weather is expected over the Labor Day holiday weekend. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings to you. Happy that you're along for the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. I want to say hello to our friends at WAVA in the Washington, D.C. area. Thanks for joining us today on the Simucast. We also want to thank all of our listeners in the Pittsburgh area, Mm -hmm. Western Pennsylvania, also uh, Ohio and West Virginia, who've been with us for a long time. And so uh, we're happy to enlarge our family, John, even for a temporary time. We know you're out there. And so we appreciate your time. We know you don't take it. We don't take it for granted that you choose to join us. Hey, uh, over the many years we've produced this show, of course, we've talked about international ministries and the ministries that support those. Uh, chief among those, of course, was food, is Food for the Poor that has uh, outreach in many, many far-flung corners of this world, far from the United States. Here locally, Haiti H2O as well. And they deeply and intentionally serve our brothers and sisters in Christ in Haiti. But uh, very bad and sad news today from the United States State Department. Uh, the State Department has issued a warning for any citizens traveling in Haiti, urging them to leave the country immediately, quote, given the current security situation and infrastructure challenges. This is from the Associated Press. Oh. Quote, United States citizens in Haiti should depart Haiti as soon as possible via commercial or private transport, the government tweeted today, also urging individuals to contact the State Department if they have any challenges departing the small island nation. The warning comes amid increasing violence in the country between rival street gangs. Many violent demonstrations have occurred in recent weeks, leading to a mass displacement as residents have fled their home. Uh, a couple of days ago, a powerful gang opened fire on a group of parishioners in a town called Canaan, 
a makeshift town near the outskirts of the capital of Port-au-Prince. While they marched through a community, they had armed themselves with machetes and had been vying to get rid of the, the street gangs. However, the gang retaliated, killing more than several and wounding dozen, dozens of others in the attack. In the attack. Um, this is so crazy. The president of Haiti was assassinated in July of 2021. Mm-hmm. President Jovenel Moise, which has rocked the country. There is no one in presidential power in Haiti right now. No one. Canaan is ruled by a gang led by mysteriously by a man who goes only by the name of Jeff. His gang is thought to be affiliated with a larger five-second gang. Between January and March of this year, which is the last time there was a count, the United States reported, uh, the United Nations reported that more than 1,600 people were killed or kidnapped in the country, according to the UN. A report from UNICEF says a spike in kidnappings in particular has um, 300 or more people in the last month alone, almost triple that of total of 2021. So Haiti is a hotbed of violence and disruption. And, of course, uh, if you know people are in there uh, praying for their safety Mm -hmm. and especially for praying for the poor people, the people that we know and love and support with all the many years of work we've done. You know, it just takes a few people to disrupt the country. And, of course, as, as it always is, the common denominator, it is the poor, the elderly and the young who are most put upon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just hearing that you read that from where the Associated Press. Okay, I was reading a, another story about Haiti today with you know uh, similar content, and I, you know, I knew that when we got to air today, we were going to be speaking to thousands of people who have connections to Haiti, um, who've either traveled there themselves, who have uh, friends that they met when they were there, and so news like this is so disturbing and so incredibly sad and frustrating because of the amount of time and energy that has been put into the country. But, you know, it, it, like you said, it doesn't take much to disrupt a country that's that fragile to start with. No. And of course, you know, natural disasters, right? Right. Hurricanes, earthquakes, whatnot. It's been there, done that. We've really validated that and really reported on this increasingly over the many years. We've raised a lot of money here in Western Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania with Food for the Poor and other Haitian ministries. And still, the devil exists. I know, I know. The crazy thing about it is right next door to Haiti is the Dominican Republic, which flourishes. Right. I don't understand. It's been, I mean, they've had so many governmental disasters in addition to all the other stuff that yep. you you brought up. I don't know. I just, I refuse, I just, I refuse to believe that God's abandoned the country. No, of course not. Um, and so, to give up on him. yeah. And so, you know, I just continue to pray for the people there and for the ministries that you know that work there. Uh, you talked to Paul Jacobs today from Food for the Poor. We did. Right? And he said that Food for the Poor is still committed to the excellent work that they have done in Haiti for many decades. So they're not leaving. They are not leaving, although there are not American nationals or foreign nationals in Haiti. It is currently just run by the Haitians themselves, which in which many it, ways is how it should want, be. That's what we've always wanted, right? But, yeah. So that's perfect. Yeah. But, but you do wonder about all the ministries that are there and their safety because... They're holding on to, you know, food and clothing and job opportunities, all those things, those relief efforts, and they're being preyed upon as well. Mm. Pray for the people of Haiti. Please do. 
Uh, we need to take a break. After that, happy to, for those of you who are new with us, to introduce you to our friend, Dr. Kurt Thompson, who's a psychiatrist in private practice in Falls Church, Virginia. And we're going to talk about suffering. Um, it's not something that, wow, that makes a great radio segment, but it's something that we all know. And we must engage with. Yeah. What it is so to be if you're alive. looking for your suffering to make sense, then stay close on the ride home. 101.5 WORD. I'm Donna Cruz. Join Keith Stevens and me this weekend for Keep the Faith. A teenager shows how disappointments can be transformed by a choice in your attitude. It's a hard moment as a parent when your son doesn't make the team. But it was interesting. Two nights later, I got an email from the baseball coach. I hope you can join us for Keep the Faith, Saturday night at 10 on 101.5 Word FM, WORD. We can hardly believe it, but it's time for the last barbecue of the summer at the Springhouse in 84. Don't miss out on this great summer taste treat. And come to the Springhouse this Labor Day for fantastic chicken cooked over the pit with lots of country vegetable casseroles, homemade rolls, homemade desserts, and of course our own Springhouse chocolate milk. Eat in our picnic patch or sun porch or take it home to your own picnic. And although this last chicken barbecue marks the end of the summer at the Springhouse, it also signals the beginning of lots of fun fall events. We'll soon be having hog roasts and pumpkin patch hay rides, plus lots of other special events to celebrate this beautiful autumn time of the year. So be sure to come this Labor Day to the Springhouse and help us celebrate. Oil investments involve a high degree of risk and actual results may vary. Oil and natural gas keep going up as the Russia conflict escalates. Get in on the next major oil boom now and help the U.S. with your patriotic investment that can potentially pay you monthly income for up to 20 or more years. That's the sound of a producing oil well and the sound of a smart investment. If you're an SEC-accredited investor and have at least 25000 liquid now, you can take advantage of Encore Energy's projects and a huge tax savings for this year. If you invest in oil and natural gas, you're allowed to write off nearly 100% of your investment in the first year. Goldman Sachs is projecting oil to go up to $100 a barrel, and natural gas is the fuel of the future and trading at record prices. Call 800-287-6691. Encore Energy is a major Major investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income. Call 800 287 6691. That's 800 287 6691. Reports of new state requirements for PA public school teachers have many parents concerned about racial equity learning resources in the classroom to gender and identity politics. Now may be a great time to try Christian education, a faith focused education that believes in transparency, parents, and that values every student. Get half off a year's tuition beginning this fall at a participating school near you, like Champion Christian School in Champion, PA. Learn more at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Pittsburgh Christian Schools, education that believes in you. We live in an age where we would like to avoid ourselves uh, suffering at any cost possible. Of course. Right? Pain relief, right? Millions and millions of dollars are sold of pain relief every year. I mean, no one wants to willingly go into suffering unless you're Jesus. Mm-hmm. But that's the age we live in. If we can, man, please sign me up. I do not want to suffer. Mm-hmm. I remember going to see my first therapist, John. 
when I was 33. I was completely overwhelmed by a postpartum anxiety disorder. I didn't know. I'd never been to a therapist. I thought therapists were wacky. I can't tell you how unprepared I was for that experience of my life. I was a complete wreck. I was absolutely a mess about it. Um, But that was just one of those experiences that just kind of makes you look at yourself. And one of the things I told her is, I think I'm addicted to happiness. You thought that? Uh Uh-huh. I said that out loud. I think I'm addicted to happiness. Romans 5, 1, 5 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith and this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope, and Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Kurt Thompson is with us once again. He is uh, the author of several books that we've loved. His latest just released, The Deepest Place, Suffering and the Formation of Hope. Kurt, welcome back. John and Kathy, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to be with you, uh, Kurt, and just, you know, reading the very beginnings of your book over the last week or so. Uh, it's just, uh, I, I can't wait to get further into it. Um, but the first thing I think of is the beginning of Anna Karenina, which is uh, a book by Leo Tolstoy. And mm-hmm. the beginning of it says that every unhappy family is unhappy mm-hmm. in its in its own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. and I'm sure that that also applies to the person. Right. Every Mm. person is unhappy in his or her own way. You're absolutely right, Kathy. I think uh, one of the things that we're that we talk about in the book is that everybody and to 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 be human is to suffer. And the challenge for us is being able to name what that suffering is. I think for many of us uh, who live in the West, live in our culture, we have plenty of things around us that we can use to distract us from our suffering. Um, and as we, over the course of time, have an opportunity to talk more about what that suffering looks like, uh, we'll come to discover that we have, we, we are really good at, uh, hiding our suffering from ourselves and only to come to find out that if, you know, as we follow Jesus, he's really serious about going to those places where our suffering has been hidden or buried and uh, only to bring us into a wide place to stand in following him. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's really good news. And out of all this, we come to find that hope is something that emerges as the processes of us being present with our suffering in fresh ways. Hmm. So, Kurt, in, in reading the introduction to The Deepest Place, you touch on the idea of hospitality towards our suffering. I mean, I never even considered that. Yeah, well, I, th- I think, uh, John, you know, we we talk about uh, we uh, we have these different approaches to suffering. We either want to get rid of it or we want to pretend it's not that bad. We, uh, you know, we look at other people's suffering that is so much worse than ours and easily say, well, therefore, my suffering doesn't matter. It doesn't count. It's not that big of a deal. And we find all kinds of ways then to ignore it. And the whole notion of being hospitable to it. Uh, is not to suggest that uh, we're trying to pretend that suffering is fun or that we should like it Mm -hmm. or that it's God's uh, idea of something that's good. None of that's true. Uh, But the real question is, am I able 
to be open to looking at my pain uh, and my suffering in particular, which you know eventually we'll talk about in terms of what it actually means. Am I willing to welcome it into the room? Uh, Jesus uh, was commonly welcoming people to the banquet, right? When he, when Matthew hosts a dinner, and Jesus brings other tax collectors to the dinner, these are people who suffered under their in in their lives as people who of jewish history you know of, of, of jewish descent but who were working for the romans jesus welcomed those who suffered into the space the woman who was you know who had the bleeding problem mm-hmm. he thought that she only had the problem of the bleeding and as it turned out there were other domains of her life in which her suffering was so much greater that she was not interested in bringing into public in that moment but Jesus was being hospitable to it. And it turns out that we end up burning a lot of energy trying to keep our suffering outside of the house, out of our awareness. And that energy is then not available to us to create beauty and goodness in the world where God would really like to have it. And so we need to become more hospitable to our suffering over time. Hmm. I remember sitting in a, uh, a chemotherapy room with my dad when he was going through cancer treatments and uh, there was a woman who was uh, sitting a few seats away. And when you have, when either you're going through cancer treatment or you have a family member, it, you get to know, ev- you get to know everybody, right? Cause everybody's mm-hmm. showing up at regular mm-hmm. intervals for, for different treatments. And yeah. if you have a similar disease um, you end up with the same people. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. I remember this woman so clearly because um, she was so dear. It's the only word I can think of. But she was um, not but, but and. Uh, she was very, very dear. And at the same time, she was unable to acknowledge the disease she had. How so? Mm-hmm. I mean, we would sit there and talk to her. And mm. she would she would talk about anything else. She would talk about anything about her house or cooking or whatever. And if you got anywhere close to talking about what she had or what mm. drug mm. she was getting or whatever, it was mm. like a wall shut down, mm. a garage mm-hmm. door closed. And it was like mm-hmm. she she psychically uh, or cognitively could not acknowledge it. It was like a switch mm-hmm. flipped. And mm-hmm. um, I remember looking at her over and over again and thinking there has to be a time when she's able to say it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or acknowledge mm-hmm. it. I never saw that time. But too intimate for you. Or for anybody. You could tell it wasn't just me. It was the fact that she just wasn't able to talk about it. And um, I had I just had a lot of sympathy for her because, like I said, before you came on, I remember telling my first therapist that I was addicted to happiness. I just mm-hmm. had a very hard time imagining what deep suffering would look like. So, Kurt, is that common? People won't or can't acknowledge their suffering until it overwhelms them? Well, you know, it, it's a great question, John. We we like to say in our work that uh, we we humans don't actually ever make changes in our lives. Uh, unless we've suffered enough. Mm. And by that, I don't mean that unless we've suffered at all, but that unless we've suffered enough, unless we have crossed some threshold of pain, that gets enough of our attention that I'm willing to make changes. And I think in many respects, uh, 
part of how it is that I'm in business is because we as humans have practiced long and hard at knowing how to bury our suffering and just keep going. And, you know, the, the whole uh, notion of atonement, for example, when we read about this in, in different parts of the New Testament and, and in the Old Testament as well, but that word atonement comes from the old English word at one meant. And it is not just, it, it is the theological notion of uh, paying the price for sin, but it is also that the, 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 the mechanics of how that happened is by virtue of Jesus being fully at one with us. That's how it happens. And he is fully with us in our suffering. Mm -hmm. And when he wants to pull us through Good Friday and out to the other side into resurrection, for us to go with him means that we have to be willing to meet him in our suffering where it actually is in order for him to then take us with him when he goes. And so uh, our our being hospitable to suffering, our being willing to name that uh, is predicated and our ability to do that is predicated before on all that in terms of like, well, what happens if Jesus shows up and says, I want to be with you in the parts of your life that are hard. If I'm willing to let me let him in just a little bit, even that much can begin the process of me discovering that there are some things that we can do ahead of time as we approach our suffering, they can get us prepared to enter into it, which I think will be things that we'll eventually talk about over the course of the next several months. Oh, that's so interesting. I think about this often, Kurt, and I'm glad you, you know, you've written a whole book about the deepest place, suffering and the formation of hope. I see, Kath and I, our children are similar in age, mm -hmm. in their early, early 20s. And I mm -hmm. think about them in the decades ahead and what their lives will be like. And of course, their joys and triumphs and their natural sufferings. Now, uh, everyone who has children, you reach a point where you go, I'm trying to shelter them from the storm, but mm -hmm. then it, you, then you just necessarily let go. We will all suffer. I don't want it to happen, but I look at my children and I wonder sometimes what will befall them. Mm -hmm. Well, this, uh, this gets back to, uh, you know, we, we say everything that you need to know, any, you know anything that you, you need to know about human beings, you can learn by reading the first six chapters of Genesis. And on the second page of Genesis, we read that it's not good for man to be alone. And that one statement has cosmic implications for all the things that happen after our first parents choose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because what it means for us to be alone is one of the signature elements of what it means for us to suffer. And so, I, like, I, you know, our, our kids are 33 and 30, and I also, uh, I, I grieve, I, I worry, I like all, all the yes. things. And I, uh, and, but, but mostly what I want to know, what, one of the things that I've watched my kids be able to weather the real challenges in their lives, primarily because they have people in their lives who are not going to leave them, mm -hmm. even when the worst parts of life throw itself at them. And so as we will talk about in the coming months, this whole notion of, you know, who is with us? You know, Kathy, that example that you gave of, of the woman that you were visiting, 
you know, I, uh, I, I also, I've, I've, I've lost three brothers to cancer mm. and, uh, the brother that I, that, that, that died first, this was back in 2004. I remember, I mean, he was transformed in many respects over the course of the time that he lived with his cancer for three years. And I watched him be a man, uh, go from a man who was not that connected to others in deep ways to being very deeply connected, mm, more, wow. never deeply connected to me, deeply connected to his wife and to his kids and to friends in ways that uh, never had been. And he, he met and came to love Jesus in ways that were brand new and fresh to him. And as he you know, got close to death, he said, you know, I wouldn't wish this cancer on my worst enemy, but I can truly say that even in the middle of all this suffering, I'm not sorry that it has happened to me because of all of the relational transformation that had happened to him. And it happened to him in no small part as a function of how he was responding to his suffering and his willingness, as it were, to be hospitable to it. And I'll never forget that that was, that was a powerful testimony uh, to me from my older brother um, as he went on to, you know, uh, to his life in, in the eternal um, and so like that, that the woman that you described, Kathy, sounds like someone who is afraid, not just of her suffering, but afraid to allow intimacy to come into yeah. her life. Yeah. And this is this is the tricky point when we learn that my suffering is willing to be transformed, but not without my willingness to move through those fears that I have of being seen in the middle of that suffering. Yeah. Well, Kurt, uh, that's just, you know, dipping our, our toe in the water of uh, your latest book called The Deepest Place, mm. Suffering and the Formation of Hope. Uh, Kurt, we look forward to going through the rest we of the sure book do. with you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Great to be with you guys. Yeah, well. that's Dr. Kurt Thompson. He's a psychiatrist in private practice in Falls Church, Virginia. He's the author of a bunch of books, but this latest one we're talking about is The Deepest Place, Suffering and the Formation of Hope. Check it out. We're going to take a break when we come back. Does this make sense? What's that? Grove City College will welcome more than 600 new students to campus this month as 2023-24 academic year begins. Wow. They are drawn to the college by its excellent academics, its Christian mission, career outcomes, conservative values, and strong community, and that is very good news. Yeah. Now, the community, John, is something that I just, well, that's vital to every college student. Everybody wants it. You, you, need, you to, need it. You need to feel like you belong. Yeah. But, you know, I was just talking to uh, one of my daughters the other day, and we were talking, you know, she's coming close to graduating, and I said, you know, what do you think you got? This sounds ridiculous, but this is the question I asked her. What'd you, what did you get out of Grove City? And she said, I just got to know so many Christians of different ages, and that really changed my perspective. So it wasn't just, you know, the people that she lived with who were her age, yeah. but they were people who were seniors when she was a freshman, or they were her TAs, or they were her professors, or they were her, you know, choral director, whoever it is. That type of commitment in community, I, it, I think she's right. I think it can change you forever. That's excellent. It's the beauty of the world and all that's in it through a Christ-centered lens. So whether it's this semester next semester or next year, do yourself a favor. Look online at Grove City College, gcc.edu. That's the excellence of Grove City College.
Ron had a tax problem he just couldn't handle on his own. I owed the IRS taxes for over five years, but I didn't have any money to pay the taxes. Those years cost him dearly. Most of it was fees and interest. It was horrible. Ron finally called in the pros. I called Optima Tax Relief, and boy, am I happy I did. <laughs> the leading tax resolution firm, Optima, is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. They've resolved over a billion dollars for their clients. Ron was overjoyed. They settled my account with the IRS. I was ecstatic. They are a lifesaver. They are. I am so happy. <laughs> Take Ron's advice and call Optima now for a free consultation. Yeah, don't do like I did and wait. Call Optima Tax Relief. Do it now. You'll be ecstatic like me. <laughs> call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Testimonial from an actual client. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. We will never fully understand what we've asked of our military service members or their families, asking them to put themselves in harm's way, to endure it all. But we do understand that it's our turn, our duty, to keep them secure for the rest of their lives. Wounded Warrior Project long-term support programs help our most severely ill or injured veterans live independently, at no cost, for life, so that they might stand at ease. Join us at findwwp.org. Breezy this evening, otherwise mainly clear tonight. Good weather for sleeping, the low 54. Sunny and pleasant tomorrow, a nice end of the month of August. We'll reach a high of 75. Clear skies tomorrow night. A jacket may come in handy. We'll reach a low of 52. Plenty of sunshine Friday with a high of 80. Dry and warm weather is expected over the Labor Day holiday weekend. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. sense does what make sense taking off your shoes when you go into your house oh please or or going over to somebody else's house and you know they say you know yeah can you take off your shoes i'm two minds of this i appreciate clean floors in my house okay and it's someone's house someone's rules Mm mm-hmm the outside is filthy, right? It's filthy out there. Oh, filthy. It's filthy. You, you know mean it. it's filthy it's, out we there. We live in a filthy world. <laughs> it's filthy. So you know you're out walking around, or, you know, and you drag in the filth into your little sanctuary. Of course, your place becomes filthy. Now, if you've got animals, a dog, a cat, you know it's already infected with filth, and that's just how it is. But if you like, you know, you dug deep and you did like a bacterial sort of like reveal, you go, ooh. How do we we move from the bacteria from this to the bacterial reveal? Because it's on the bottoms of your shoes, and you're dragging it around. Seems like it's. And so, if someone comes, if I go to someone's house and they go, "Would you mind taking your shoes off?" No, I don't mind it. I'm not being upset by it. Does it make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Do I want to do it? No, because I'm lazy. Okay. And kind of filthy. Okay. Does it make sense to you? No. What do you say? Does it make sense? Take your shoes I off. I can't stand it. You like a nice clean house. I don't. I cannot stand to be without shoes. I can't stand it. I always it. take my shoes. I never. I'm without shoes right now. I, I never am without shoes. <laughs> never. 
Never. What? Never? never. You never walk around barefoot never. or sockless? Never. With socks on? Never. Why? It never happens. My, my toes cry I out for I don't know. My toes cry out for, for comfort and covering. That's not natural. Yeah, I think it's fine. You weren't born that way. I wear flip-flops all the time. I'm happy. I mean, it's not like my toes can't see the air. They're filthy. They're... Leave my toes out of this. Mm. Listen, what I'm saying is I, I, I can't. I, I'm never barefoot. I'm never mm. just in my stocking feet. And the fact that I'm going to go to somebody's house and they want me to do that, well, then the whole night's just wrecked. All right. <laughs> whole wreck. Doesn't make sense. Okay, I didn't know that this, this was going to happen. But here's my – does this make sense? This happened in our studio. Self-adhesive carpet squares. Right. Okay, so instead of them putting down carpet, yeah. they just pull up the old carpet and put these little individual squares on. Yeah. Now I see a few coming up. Oh, there's a loose square over there. Oh, I didn't know. I think it makes all the sense in the world. It looks pretty. Uh, it looks pretty good. I, I I like the look. Don't you? It feels like to me that the installation would be easier yep. because you're not working with twelve foot long segments. Rolls. But now that you say that you saw a couple coming up, well, that kind of shakes my confidence. I get some Gorilla Glue. I think Tack it makes it back sense down. though. It does make sense. You think it makes sense? I too? do. Yeah. I feel pretty good. It about felt it. a little cheesy. Now I like it. Okay. But you know, leave your shoes on. Take them off. 101.5 WORD. We're beginning a study in the very practical and challenging book of James on Truth for Life. James addresses issues within the church like quarreling, double mindedness, the active and passive elements of submitting to God. Learn how to live a godly life in an ungodly world this week on Truth for Life with Alistair Begg. Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. For me, the little things in life make me smile the hardest, like fancy potato chips. I'm talking about when you open a fresh bag and you see one of those super chips. They're folded like tacos or fortune cookies, but then you have a second and third chip wrap around it, creating this monster chip that you can barely get your mouth around. Those things are awesome. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and I share that useless little thing to ultimately say, you know what's not a little thing, Mr. and Mrs. Word FM listener? Our direct lender advantage. We use our own money and make our own decisions within our own walls. There's no middleman, which means whether you're finally making the move on a new home or you're looking to cash out some of that newfound value your current home has earned, we can often move faster and get you a better rate saving you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Corp. Melbourne, New York. And a blessing for 1330. Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. We all long to be in God's presence and to live victoriously through both prayer and action. But sometimes we get off track and our times with God become less and less frequent. Or perhaps you've been faithful in prayer but still suffer from anxiety or fear. Let's refocus on the things of God through Cornerstone's 21-day prayer journey to unleash God's power, presence, and purpose in your life. Starting August 29th, we're walking through prayers for you, your family, your community, and for accelerated progress in ministry. Ready to get involved? Visit ctvn.org backslash journey and receive your free 21-day download complete with daily prayer prompts and ideas on how to personalize your experience. Save the date for the 21 days of prayer starting August 29th and ending with a live Hope Today program September 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Visit ctvn.org backslash journey to get your free download and details today.
Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 I was uh, on Cora the other day. You ever go to Cora? What's Cora? It's kind of like a um I guess for lack of a better phrase it's um, maybe like a bulletin board where people converse, you ask questions and people chime in with their opinions. Oh, Q U O R A. Yeah. I was thinking C O R A. Wasn't oh. she the mom on Downton Abbey? Cora, oh. <laughs> I think it was. I think she was right. It's a different okay. conversation, right? Okay, I'm with you. So one of the things that came up, which caught my attention, is marriage useless? How would you change my mind? And someone chimes in, "It's a religious concept. It's unnatural. The divorce rate is at sixty percent, and eighty percent of uh, listen to this, an estimated ninety percent of married people have have had affairs." No, like, where's come on, the, where's, where's that coming from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that doesn't da- do it. Good luck. There. All right, so you know it's an uninformed source there, right? Mm-hmm. It's a re- it's a religious concept. A re- it is a religious concept. Yes, it's also a civic concept. I mean, if you know anything about Western history, and it's, it's a- ancient, yeah. But it is true that increasingly, especially in younger generations, marriage has been deemed irrelevant. Yeah, to some people, for sure. Lisa Anderson joins us once again. She is director of Boundless and Youth Adults at Focus on the Family, host of the Boundless Show weekly podcast and radio show. Hey, Lisa. Hey there. Good to be here. Yeah. Okay. So uh, marriage uselessness. Um, the person that John's talking about who's on Quora acting like that he, you know, is Mr. Pew Research. 90% of people <laughs> are on affairs. I mean, come on. 90% of people have affairs. Um uh, however, the point John brings up stands. Uh, a lot of people, especially those outside the church, feel like, what is the, What's the point? What is the stinking point? Yeah. Well, in fact, it's even, um, I think it, there was a study that just came out that said like two out of five young adults now think that it's outdated and even irrelevant. And so obviously working with young adults every day for Boundless, I'm kind of like, whoa, let's talk about this because huh. I'm single, and I still think marriage is okay. I mean, <laughs> Hebrews thirteen four, y'all says marriage is to be honored by all. Excellent. And so, I mean, now it's not the be all end all. I think some people have extrapolated it into some kind of otherworldly kind of thing that makes everyone else a second class citizen. But I would say that, um, yeah, it's very unfortunate that culturally we have decided that. You know, we've we've kind of elevated this idea of love and romantic involvement and connection and stuff, but the commitment and specifically any kind of institution around it is not necessary. Now, I will say I don't want to diss the young adults too you know too much because we had the boomers who were like, you know, Woodstock, marriage is just a piece of paper, let's just have free love and stuff. And actually the millennials and even Gen Z at this point. They aspire to marriage. They like the idea of it. They just think it's pretty unattainable and probably kind of untenable in its structure. And so that's where I think we got to shift the mindsets around that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So then if that's the case, Lisa, how do you change the narrative, right? People diminish it, whether it's boomers forward or Gen Z going, wait a second, I'd like to attain it, but it seems pretty difficult. I know people who are married unhappily, of course, the divorce rate and whatnot. Uh, There's still obviously deep worth and value there. What's that conversation like with your young adults? 
Yeah, I mean, basically, we have to bust a couple myths and really set up a couple things that are, are helpful conversations. So the first thing I like to say is that it is a good thing to pursue. And there are a number of reasons for that. And, you know, why is that? I mean, what they have done, what millennials and Gen Z in particular have done is try to replace it with this practicing at marriage, which includes everything ridiculously from the hookup culture to friends with benefits all the way to cohabitation, because a lot of young adults will say, well, I'm not really sure about this guy, so we're going to live together. And this is where women especially fall into this trap. Yep. And so I'm like, ladies, here's what here's what we're doing. We are giving up a lot of things, connection, emotionally, you know, intimacy, all that kind of stuff in the assumption that it is going to build connection and build commitment. What it actually does is it's kind of giving away the proverbial store and the milk and all that kind of stuff. And it's settling. And so it, it yeah. gets us into, you know, if you look, even if you take faith out of the equation, you will see sociologically that cohabitation, for example, folks who do that have higher rates of domestic violence in their relationships. Um, men, you know, sorry, John, but men do not contribute to the household nearly as much in cohabiting relationships. It's not men that fail in every area, but I'm just bringing this up. <laughs> um, that is that, that should be comforting for you, John. Thank you. That is just real talk right there. Okay, so there's that. And then couples who do eventually marry after cohabiting end up having much higher divorce rates than those who didn't. And so, we, but the real reason that I think, or the cloaked reason that I think a lot of people, um, you know, they think cohabitation is okay. And I'm like, no, 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 is it keeps you in go nowhere relationships. Yeah. And this is where I'm saying, ladies, settle for this because you date a guy, you move in with a guy. Well, the next, you know, you're sharing a rent or a mortgage, then you're sharing a dog. Next thing you know, you might be sharing a kid and you're just like, it's too much work to get out of this. I need to just stay here. And so you could be in something abusive. You could be in something, you know, that's just go nowhere. Ultimately, you're going to be in something that's not giving you what you want. Wow. It's so true. Listen, I've seen this over and over and over again with with friends that I've had in my life. Um, I mean, it's just I, and it especially people I know who are between the ages of, I would say, 20 and 30. 38. Um, mm -hmm. They are uh, in perpetual cycles of meeting a guy, uh, living with a guy, and uh, being dissatisfied that they're not getting married, mm -hmm. that they're not, mm -hmm. that there's no ring attached to it, or if there is a ring, that there's no wedding date. Um, and it's a constant frustration. A lot of time it culminates in the dissolution of the relationship because she's so unhappy that there's nothing, you know, there's not a firm commitment. And now they have all their stuff commingled. They, they've been living mm -hmm. in the same space. She has to kick him out of her house or they have to split the rent. Someone has to find. I mean, it's just oh, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah. And the reason they're living together sometimes is just crazy talk. I mean, I remember a guy telling me one time that he and his girlfriend had dated for eight years because he was still saving up for a ring. And I was like, dude, <laughs> let's oh talk gosh. about this because what level of what ring is she going to need that is going to supersede her actually like probably getting the relationship and the commitment and the security that she ultimately wants? I'm like, have you all talked about this? Because I've but I've talked to other people. I've talked to women who are like, yeah, well, you know, we priced out our wedding and it's $40,000. Oh and gosh. so we just got to wait it out. We've got, I mean, that's the average cost of a wedding right now. Forty grand. So, 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's for real. So we need to start a fund. You guys can start it for any young adults that, you know, need to get married and they need the 40 grand. It's just they can call your station. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. But, I mean, it's like, <laughs> thank you. It's just, it's craziness in the sense of like what they're, they're prioritizing the party over the lifetime and over, over, over what needs to be happening and what they right. need to actually be investing in. Yeah, there's a lot that's involved in that. We're happy to be talking to Lisa Anderson. She joins us each month. She's the director of Boundless and Young Adults at Focus on the Family. And uh, Lisa, we've just always appreciated how you're just straightforward. In, in in how you die. seriously like John and I are so over people who are just like trying to you know be careful around the edges of things like let's just talk just, about, like just talk about the thing um I, I I see so many in particular young women who are so unhappy Lisa uh, mm-hmm. because they've they've allowed themselves to get into a situation they thought was a, a smart thing to do they thought it was an okay thing to do and it's just emotionally blown up in their face well look at the hookup culture i mean nothing mm-hmm. sacred i mean it's all it's all just a giveaway right yeah well there are so many people who i mean you you can't even believe the number of people i have talked to who said that it is easier and less intimate and less scary for them to just do random hookups than to actually have a real conversation with someone. So because the minute you start getting into emotional capital, you know, the minute minute you actually start talking about values, about character, it can get scary. But that is exactly where we need to turn this on our head because I have so many young adults, even Christian ones, who are like working off of these 100-point lists of things they're looking for in a spouse. And I'm like... You know, or or women who will tell me this. I probably, you know, mentioned this before to you, but it's like, well, I need to marry John Piper. And I'm like, you know what? John Piper wasn't John Piper when he was 23. He was probably some jerk who, whatever, he got married and his wife helped him out. So I'm like, we need to. (laughs) But then they're chucking the really important stuff. And so you have got to find that guy or that girl who is a sold out disciple of Jesus Christ. So this is not like I follow Francis Chan on Twitter or Texas. Right. You need to find the person who's an adult, who's in a position to marry, who is humble and teachable, that will solve most of your character problems right there if they're willing to take feedback, instruction, go to counseling with you if you need it, make it happen. And then your callings can kind of dovetail and you can kind of move forward in life together. Working off of that, the rest is growth and just walking into life and figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. But, Lise, it's true, though. It is a, a big guy thing, isn't it? I mean, you got to call it for what it is. Guys need to step up. Yeah, I think guys do need to step up, and they need to be willing to, both men and women, to say, okay, let's, let's explore whether there is a possibility here. So this is not ladies going out on one date and writing your last name with this guy's or changing your last name to his or picking out China or getting super weird and crazy about it. And it's not guys sitting back and being really passive about it and like, well, you know, I'll see who I see in Starbucks today and see if she's okay. Or else there's like, you know, the 35 single women in my church aren't good enough, so I'm going to go online or or hit up, you know, Tinder or Hinge or something. So it's kind of (laughs) being realistic and realizing that, we are all sinners, works in progress, who need to be molded. We need people in our lives. So you need to get those people around you that are up in your business and they're going to tell you what's mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. and how you need to grow. And then from there, you make dating a community project 
and you're going to have a better chance of actually, you know, making it across the field and and, uh, to the goal line. Preach it, sister. Yeah. That's excellent, Lisa. That's Lisa Anderson. She's director of Boundless and Young Adults at Focus on the Family, also host of the Boundless Show weekly podcast and radio show. Lisa, we want to thank you again for being with us. Always excellent. Always fun with you, too. Pleasure. Yeah, listen, uh, we love Lisa, as you can hear. Yep. She brings it. Check out the podcast, The Boundless Show, the weekly podcast, Mm -hmm. the radio show, Lisa Anderson from Focus on the Family. Coming up next, The Golden Bachelor. There are reveals 22 women vying for him. Let's face it, talking about life insurance is never easy. But after we watched a close friend lose her husband with no insurance, we decided that wasn't going to happen to our family. Yeah, but shopping for life insurance can be almost as difficult as talking about it. But then we heard about Ethos Life Insurance. They're a new kind of life insurance built for people on a busy schedule who don't have time for unnecessary doctor's visits, fine print, or hidden fees. You know, who want to keep it simple. I couldn't believe how easy it was. We answered a few basic questions, and within minutes, we had an estimate of what it would cost and what sort of policy made sense for us. I never imagined a life insurance could be so affordable. And accessible. The peace of mind knowing that our future is secure, it just removes a lot of the fear around getting older. and Yeah, the unexpected. I'm glad we talked about it. I'm glad we went with ethoslife.com. Go to getethos.com now for your free estimate. That's getethos.com. Getethos.com. Lowe's knows how to save pros time and money. Right now, get 10% off select in-stock Trex Enhanced Naturals composite decking. And there's more. Now through September 1st, earn three times the bonus points per dollar on select pass load, nailers, and nails. Lowe's knows savings. Lowe's knows pros. Trex offer valid 8-24 through 9-6. Selection varies by location. Bonus points calculated before taxes and fees after applicable discounts if any. Valid through 9-1. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Of course I use Mr. Clean Magic Eraser to clean tough messes off my stovetop and bathtub. But then I discovered I can also use it to easily clean my patio furniture and even my shoes. I'm hooked. And when wipes won't cut it, I use Magic Eraser Sheets. They're thin and flexible erasers, perfect for everyday messes, like gunk on my counters and sinks. They really are magical. The reviews are in. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser and Sheets make cleaning look easy. Summer is almost over, and so are the savings at Bachman's Roofing. Take advantage of the summer savings bonanza with no interest and no payments until 2025. Now is the perfect time to check off those home improvement projects. Cracked or missing roof shingles? Bachman's has got you covered. Looking to add solar? Bachman's has you covered. Time to upgrade that cracked siding? Bachman's has got your back. Call Bachman's today to schedule your free estimate at 412-472-7103 or visit GoBachmans.com. People always ask me, why should I call Mr. Rooter Plumbing? Here's why. Our owner, Bob Bill, learned plumbing from his father who started plumbing in 1964. His father taught him to do it right the first time, and that's what Bob passed on to all of our plumbing technicians today. If you need a plumber, call Mr. Rooter. Always available for big and small jobs. Plus, mention you heard this ad on Word FM and receive 10% off your next service with us. Call 412-Rooter2 today. We were just talking about marriage. Now, we have never seen this. Kath, you've talked about this. Never once have you watched an episode of The Bachelor. Never, or The Bachelorette. Right. Uh, it's been around a long time. What are we missing? Um, 
20 plus years, 28th season. Oh my of the gosh. Bachelor. So, uh, no, it's probably not that many years though. They probably do a couple seasons a year. Yeah. Like the voice. It's like the 60th season of the voice. We or wouldn't something. know. We right. Wouldn't know. 22 women will be vying for a final rose mm-hmm. from Gary Turner, the 71 year old widower who will be leading the ABC franchise's highly anticipated senior dating spinoff, The Golden Bachelor. Mm-hmm. The Golden Bachelor format will be similar to that of the flagship show, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, except that uh, Gary Turner will be dating from a group of eligible women in his age group, the Looking for Love contestants. Now, wait. Uh, okay, so I saw the picture of all those women today. Yeah. They're all, what's his age group? If he's 71. 60 to 75 years well, old. Lexi, have you seen that picture? I just looked it up. Okay, That's did they, they, do, they look a lot younger than that, they don't they? They all look like they're 30. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He probably looks like crap. Uh, no, no, he, he actually looks, pretty looks good. really does handsome. He? Okay, he looks good. Oh, he does. He looks terrific. I yeah, thought yeah. it was going to be like all like white-haired women. I thought it was right. going to be. Well, I thought it was going to be a classic thing where the guy looks terrible and there are all of these spectacular women who right. can't wait to marry him. Okay, now the poor guy. I mean, poor guy. So I take I mean, it all back. He... Uh, his wife uh, fell ill uh, and passed away in 2017. It's his high school sweetheart. Aww. Married for 43 oh years. Oh, my gosh. And he said he's ready to, to go back into uh, to look for love again. And this is how he's doing it? Yeah. What if that was your dad? <laughs> Does he have kids? Does it say? Uh, it doesn't say. Okay. No. You know, I mean, it just, it's just, I, I can't even well, talk about, about that. It. It's so cringy. Really? It's super cringy to me. I, I really just. Oh, really? I mean, the whole. Can you imagine I mean, going on network whole, television? The whole idea of the show is super cringy, I but the so fact too. that it's such a hit, people must love it, and I must be the odd one out. Lex, have you watched it? You know it. I have not watched it. Oh, the three I, of us. We must be an anomaly. I just, I just don't have a. I have watched dating shows. I like the ones that are like beyond the wall insane. Just beyond, <laughs> like, I, like like the one where everyone had huge heads. What? 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 You know what? You know that's where people, a dating show. Pe- yeah, where people they oh, met thing. at a bar. Oh, Remember, not real. They big had heads. no, not real big heads, but they had like enormous, right. artificial things on their heads. You see yeah, that yeah. one? No, absolutely. Oh yeah, I've not. seen that. Oh yeah. How about you know me? I'm watching uh, people on the Spectrum dating show. Oh right, the autism which one. I loved. Right. I absolutely loved it. And the Indian dating show, which was super cool too. I like it was I, marriages, families arranged, arranged marriages. Arranged marriages. That was excellent. Okay, now I've never watched any dating show. Oh well, for the cringe factor, it's really, it's really interesting. But why? But, I mean, if I, I, I don't know. I the don't only know. reality I shows I like are sports because otherwise, Is it's it, just I, I want to hide. I want to hide behind the sofa. Me too. I mean, it's a, like what, what's the big the house thing? What are they doing? You know, the people all in the house together. The people who are all in the house together, Big Brother. Big Brother. Oh, no, I don't know Like, that yeah, one. that thing. That's been around forever as well. That, to me, looks like just one gigantic fight. What, so People it's just a compl- bunch of roommates who are trying to get yeah, along? exactly. I don't even know that And then one. what's the thing on the island? What are they doing? Love on the- Island. No, no, they're on the island, and they're, you know, they're doing, like, they're running around competing, doing physical things. Oh, that, the Amazing Race. Or no, that's Survivor? Survivor. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Like, we know. <laughs> like, I don't even watch any of this stuff. Anyway, The Bachelor. seventy, uh, The Golden Bachelor. Okay, Heaven help what, us. what reality shows do you watch, None. Lex? Okay, Lexi, you you are 23 years old. Um, I watch very 
I very rarely watch uh, network like network shows or anything like that. Recently, I had heard about this. I listened to a podcast called Wonderful, which is uh, a husband and a wife who just talk about things that they like. Um, How is it, it? It's very good. I oh, love that it. podcast. It's it's very fun. It's like maybe a half hour long. But they talked about one called Love Village. And I guess it's like a Japanese dating show where basically these 35-year-olds all live in the same house. Uh, and they're rebuilding the house together. And oh. they're all trying to find love. And it's a super interesting dynamic. It's very fun to watch. They're doing something together. Yeah. Like they're, they're building the house. Like there's a lot of carpenters in it. So they're like. Oh, that's cool. They're like fixing up the house. It's really cool. Okay. That's, I could watch that too, if yeah. I had to. Yeah. I think The Amazing Race would be good. I kind of like to watch that sometime. But I never have. So yeah. I clearly I don't want to watch it that much. It's been on for like 15 well, years. Well, listen. Here's the deal. With the writer's strike, reality oh, TV is going to take over. That's right. Yeah, it really is. But I I have like 65 things in my Netflix queue, so. Hey, thanks for being with us. Hi to Weva. Thanks for coming along today. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.